0: You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV.
1: Hi, welcome to Culturally Determined on Blogging Heads TV. Uh, I'm your host, R.A. Code wade and my guest today, uh, welcome back, Phoebe maltz Uh So Phoebe, could Hello. you please introduce yourself?
0: Sure. Um, so I am now the one of the um, senior editors at um, The Signal, which is a new digital digital uh, general interest current affairs publication. Um, And I'm very excited about this. And you may know me from previous hits such as um, Feminine Chaos, which lives on um, on uh, Patreon Um, after it's very um, sad to leave blogging heads, but we are, we do live on as a, an audio only. Um, And I'm the author of the ancient tome from 2017 the perils of privilege, which I'm sure somebody on their stoop where you're walking by <laughs> might be throwing out, and then you can take a look. I still, I still have my take copy. Take a gander. Oh, that's, um, that's sweet. Okay. And,
1: yeah, I mean, I think you've been you've been tweeting this kind of joking, but like you were ahead of your time, and if the it, book had come out a couple of years later, I know.
0: It, it's upsetting. It is, it is a not good thing to be ahead of your time. Um, in yeah. It's like the, the way you saw no. the, like
1: the, it's like a surfing metaphor. You saw the wave coming and then like, you <laughs> just like dove in a little <laughs> early and maybe like a year or two yeah. later, you, it would have uh, been different. But yeah, I, I enjoyed I, the book, we did a conversation, I guess about four years we ago.
0: We um, did. And you know what? I'm sorry, but this is very in keeping with our theme, but like, I keep seeing tweet threads where somebody's like, have you ever thought about the, the word privilege and how people use it? It was like, ah, like, go away. <laughs> they didn't make it stop. Anyway.
1: Sorry. Yeah. And that's that reinforces sort of the, um, you know, the like a historical sense of online where it's like something that, you know, the, the book came out during the Trump administration. <laughs> you know, this wasn't like uh, 50 years ago. And, and yet, you know, for some people that's, that's ancient history. So Okay, so can you say a little bit more about The Signal and what it is? Sure. And-
0: um, so it covers, um, it's, it's not just the U.S. Um, it has sort of a more global perspective, and there's politics, there's economics, and there's culture, um, or sort of like um, the main general headings of things I tend to write in the culture area. And what we do are a lot of Q and A's um, with interesting people about their ideas um, and things they've written. So um, like the most recent thing I did um, that just appeared was I did a and A with the food writer, Alicia Kennedy um, about sort of like the can sustainable eating avoid being just sort of like a snob fest, and we also discussed why people get very mad online. So this is in keeping <laughs> with our theme about peanut butter, because she had a great newsletter about people being mad at her for um, using slash promoting natural peanut butter. And I had not known that peanut butter could be so contentious. Huh. Um, and Because of the uh, allergy
1: stuff or like no, the, the no, way the, it's I would have thought,
0: No, no. It's to do with, I guess, there's natural peanut butter, which is like it doesn't have other stuff in it. And then there's a kind that has palm oil and sugar added. Um, And I guess people who like with the palm oil and sugar added get very annoyed at the people who don't. And somehow, even though these two food products are both cheap and at the supermarket and not a big deal, and if you're not allergic to peanuts, you can just go to town. um, The... I guess it's like considered snooty to you to get the natural one. And I was uh, telling her, yeah, when we were, I was talking to her that like that of all the things I buy, like I buy, I don't buy a lot of snooty stuff, but snooty food products. Sure. And like, I think that like, I mean, I'm telling you not like, I'm thinking like the cheese I buy is like much more embarrassing than anything I could get in a peanut butter aisle, but yeah. So that's what we do. We, we do Q and A's not all about peanut butter. Um, <laughs> But that was kind of fun.
1: Okay, I'll have to check that out. And I'm, I'm a skippy man myself, but um, mm. I'll have to. Maybe I'll reevaluate things uh, the after ingredients list. And right. And there's, there's something, is there something about the, the, the manufacturer or extraction of palm oil that it's possibly the, the people who, yes. who farm yes. it are treated badly. It and... is
0: not good for labor, apparently, according to people who have looked into it a bit more than I have. Right. Okay, um, so
1: everything is fraught.
0: Everything is broad. Which, which so, ties into
1: our topic, which is yes. Oh, but first, I just want to say I'm throwing that segue out. Uh, you know, congrats on the on the new job, and also it's good after a year in which there was a lot of like websites going out of business and stuff. Uh, seeing you know, a new website starting up is a yeah. a positive sign, and so um,
0: I have to pinch myself for all of this because it it doesn't. Yeah, I am aware of the landscape in which this is, and yeah. um... I yeah. I, I'm very happy with what I'm doing and to be doing it for sure. Um and the site is very interesting and I urge everyone to you can sign up. You you give them your email when you sign up into the website, you and then you can read the articles, basically, is the idea. And there's also paid subscription option, but you'll you'll see on the website and I guess you'll right. link,
1: right? So, yes, and that and so that the URL is the sgnl.com
0: mm-hmm. for
1: the signal, And yeah, there'll be there'll be links below. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to start off. Okay, so our general topic is Twitter and um there's uh, always a lot to talk about there and things have changed there over the past couple months um in various ways and uh, you and I both are on there a lot, and so I thought you'd be a good I
0: person. Never, I, I, I have an account, <laughs> but I have never used oh, you, it. Oh,
1: yeah, maybe you glance at am... it once in a while. Um, <laughs>
0: I, I, yeah.
1: But you were, so you wrote a piece, so we're going to be talking about Twitter in general, but well, let's start off with this piece you wrote for The Signal, which will be linked below, called, um, quote, cleanse your timeline. And uh, the first line, I think that I, I quoted out the first line here, so, uh, is somewhere along the way a consensus emerged online that posting unserious content to one's social media feeds demanded disclaimers um so what's so, okay so what uh what is the timeline cleanse and why did you sure. want to write about it
0: sure um well i just kept noticing this was i guess around the election but also just during the pandemic in general and also just during every single day which is you know like people will post things like i'm tired or like like we are all miserable right now. You know what I mean? Like there's just this kind of consensus that, that today is particularly the worst day of all time. And that we are all upset about the same thing to the point that it's almost like gratuitous to say why, because like, clearly, clearly everybody knows that we are all upset about X and nobody could possibly have been offline for 10 minutes and missed that. But what I started noticing though recently, um, was that whenever I would see like a cute animal photo, um, speaking of animals, there's one growling at the snow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that people would post cute animal photos, or sometimes it would be like babies or just sort of other innocuous content. Um, And they would say, to cleanse your timeline, here's, you know, a photo of some ponies, here's a photo of a kitten. And it would be like, it's something about it was like, I'm just, this is just some flaw in my personality. But I was like, Oh, what is this? Like, why does this have to be about cleanse your timeline? Like, Why does there have to be this kind of hedging? Why can't you just put the picture? Like if I put a picture of my dog on Twitter, I put a picture of my dog. And I recognize that that's not serious content and that somebody might see above and below my dog some kind of atrocities, but (laughs) maybe they don't. I don't know, maybe they see another dog. Maybe they see a different animal. Um, But it just seemed like this thing about cleanse your timeline seemed to be like, it, it annoyed me as this sort of like feelings projection, like telling you that, that you're mad or upset or like that you're feeling high blood pressure and that you need this kind of calming. And it just like something about the presumptuousness of it kind of like riled me a little, but also it seemed just like in a sort of non riled way, it just seemed like a, an interesting thing that this is like, um, that people would feel that they, they know this about the people who are following their tweets. And you don't know. Like, that's the whole thing with social media. Like, by definition, you don't know what other people see when they log on. So you don't know that they're all... So it's like, it's projection, maybe? Like, it's like, if you think all you've been looking at is horrible stuff. Um, or... So I, I don't really have an answer to what it is. Like, is it that people um, are only seeing bad stuff, like upsetting news stories in their own timelines, and thus they assume everybody is? Is it that they think one ought to be only reading upsetting things and that it needs, you need to almost like apologize if you talk about something else. (laughs) Um, I don't really have an answer. This wasn't a piece where I like investigate, I didn't like track down why people post this. Um, I just kind of, you know, speculated Mm -hmm. a little with some guesses.
1: Yeah. And you, I think you, you locate, um, I guess from the know your meme website, maybe the first Mm -hmm. instance of this, which was 2013. So, not that long ago, and Twitter was a going concern, you know, for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, for that, so okay, so so maybe the uh, the opposite, or maybe the 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 way cleanse your timeline fits in is part of doom scrolling. Yes, which I think is was coined uh, last year, or at least popularized last year. Um, mm-hmm. and that became sort of like I don't know, it's a good term. Uh, it's you know, it's an evocative term, and it's just like you know, constantly. Running your thumb up and down to see what mm-hmm. bad thing has just happened, mm-hmm. and a lot of bad things did happen in 2020. Um, That's fair. <laughs> so it made, se- and we were also all stuck at home most of the time because of we the still are
0: here in Toronto. It's yes. still locked down.
1: Yes. So yes. in most places, probably mm-hmm. people are spending more time, uh you know, a- a- alone or just with their household members, and more time to stare at your phone, basically. So, so yeah. So, collect your timeline. Um, is like the momentary um you know or respite from everything bad that was happening and a lot of bad things like you know one of 2020 one of the worst years and um you know since in american history since 1945 i would i would say um
0: oh yeah and and bad in a way that really like very very few if anybody has been totally spared i mean like there yeah. are people who have it less bad and that's about the most you can say yeah i'd say about 2020
1: um so yeah, so I think it's where do I want to go with this. I, so it's interesting, it's sort of like Twitter as like a, as like performance and something like what what are we all the people who are on Twitter? What are we all doing on there? And every and so you know everything you, you like a cynical perspective. You like everything is a way to. Everything you tweet is a way to like make yourself feel better, or elevate your social standing, or gain more clout, or get likes and retweets. And so, the person who's posting the uh, pictures of the miniature horses who are wearing uh, outfits—you um, know—they don't, you know, they don't really care about people's timelines getting clients They just want the likes and the retweets, mm. and and new followers, mm-hmm. and. So that's maybe that's the most sort of cynical. And maybe this isn't even like a conscious strategy or something. Yeah. It's just like that's what like Twitter is has this sort of gamified aspect to it where if you go viral suddenly like you're getting these tiny little like positive reinforcements and also depending on what you said maybe negative reinforcements but just like mm-hmm. things are happening and especially if you're stuck inside all the time and there's a monotony it seems like you're something is is happening when you know <laughs> when this happens even though very little is actually happening.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, so I, I definitely want to pick up on what you said about this not necessarily being conscious, because that was something that I was having trouble sort of conveying when writing about this, because I wasn't I'm not like mad at people who post this. You know what I mean? It's not like I would go through and be like, oh, you did that. Like, I never would have thought this person would, you know, it was not like that at all. I think it's that it's become a habit. It's become a kind of trope. It's a thing. its It's like any other meme or something it goes with the picture now. It's just like, it fits like you're going to post a cute picture. You put cleanse your timeline. Like here's a cute picture, cleanse your timeline. They're just the same basically. So I don't think that on an individual basis, people are thinking like, I better make it seem like I've been reading all about, you know, the, whatever, like the latest new, you know, the South African and UK variants and their, they're, exact stats you know at this point and then that I just I, I want to make sure my followers know I took this only this little minute know, I don't think people are thinking <laughs> about it on that level uh-huh. but I think there's something about the fact that this caught on and that people don't sort of challenge it or find it mysterious you know what I mean like if you see cleanse your timeline it's clear that that's a reference to the doom scrolling situation and to things being terrible and it does fit I think with a broader thing on Twitter of like when people share good news, they start with this "everything is terrible," but um, and you know, or if they just share something silly, it's like "there's everything is terrible." But and it's not that things have not been certainly in 2020, but even before some of this has preceded this. Um, it's just like it's just some sort of habit of Twitter. Um, and also, what you were saying about people being stuck at home, I think is very true, and I think you know, that there's like there are these sort of competing urges to say like Twitter's not real life, you know, there's more going on. But it's like for a lot of people, this is it. And I mean, that's I think whether you're living alone or living with people you've been locked inside with for a year, you know, it's like you're not you're not going anywhere. Like Twitter's kind of it. And I yeah. think that's already it was already the case a bit, but like they're really like everything that was kind of counterbalancing that disappeared.
1: Right. Um, yeah. And I've certainly. Or
0: the people who use it. And then if you're not on it, obviously something else.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah. And probably, well, I don't know. But probably most people they're, were looking at their social media on their phone more in 2020 than they were in 2019 because of uh, the lockdown. Um, so, I mean, one aspect of this that's interesting is like um, Twitter specifically versus the other social media apps. And so. Like I don't do people do this on Instagram. I don't, I don't
0: mm. think so they do. So I looked into this a little bit, um, as in like I did searches, um, <laughs> and it does exist. But Instagram, so I use it for like dog pictures, and I'm very active in like poodle Instagram. You know, you're almost nobody. A
1: po- you or your dog are a poodle Instagram influencer, almost. I would say.
0: Well, except that it's a locked account, which kind of gets in the way of influencing. <laughs> okay. and It doesn't have very many followers. It's like a bunch of people with gray poodles in like Japan, China, <laughs> Scandinavia and Russia. Occasionally they'll be in the States. Um and there's like one or two in Canada. Um Okay, so global but... so
1: global influence, uh, your oh, your definitely. dog at least huge, has huge, global huge influence. Yeah. Um
0: but what I was going to say with that is that like nobody's saying as a disclaimer, there's no there's no assumption that anybody Isn't in with these accounts posting photos of their gray poodle, sometimes an apricot poodle. You know what I mean? Like, there's just no pretense that there's something else going on. So occasionally you'll see things that are just like, where it's just like, like my Twitter brain pops up when I'm on Instagram and I'll see something where somebody's put like a very earnest like black lives matter slogan and with like a black poodle or so you know what i mean where it's like it just seems like they're trying for something earnest but it's like it doesn't quite work because it's poodle instagram and they're not quite leaving that sphere but in general the point is that like um there wasn't that but it was something along those lines uh-huh. that i wish i would have remembered exactly if because... someone if that
1: if someone posted that on twitter or maybe someone did like a like black poodle, black eyes matter. Like they would go viral, and it would not be for good reasons. It would That's be like true. torn That's apart. That's true. Well,
0: I think I think on Instagram, there's just a little bit. Well, there's just there's maybe I'm sure there's different types of Twitter too. So maybe there's a Twitter where people are just putting animal photos and not apologizing. But I think Twitter lends itself to this sort of like we are all miserable consensus, and I don't think it's necessarily an incorrect assumption all of the time, but there's just something about it that reinforces, like the assumption reinforces the misery. Yeah. Um, and like, it just sucks you in. Like, I'm sorry, I do not, I do not work at the New York Times. I do not need to know what's going on internally there. And it's like bombarding. <laughs> like like I tweeted last night to quote, I'm going to be super, super dorky with this, but like, that I, like, should I watch like, bad British television or should I read like 200,000 tweets about what's going on at these media companies? Cause I was like listening to the Bon Appetit reply all podcast while like reading all these tweets about like the New York times. It's like, I don't need to know this, but it sucks you in.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah. Why, why do we know or care at all about, you know, various people being hired or fired at the New York times? I mean, In one way, it is important because it's like the paper of record, et cetera, but um, also it's because the people you like, if you are into following the news or media figures, those people care. You know, if you work at the Washington Post, then maybe you care about what happens at the New York Times internally because you want to get hired there someday or something. So they're talking Mm -hmm. about it and then it, you know, there are Mm -hmm. weirdo type people who would never work in national media, but they also care about it because in the same way that like a, a fan of a sports team would care about like who the right. assistant general manager of the sports team is. It's kind of yes. like, a, yes, there's, there's that, but yeah, it's, and then it, of course tribalizes because Twitter is so tribal. I mean, I just wanted to like, I, I, years ago on Twitter, I joked like, do, um, do people who, who like use Pinterest a lot, do they ever call Pinterest the hell site or say <laughs> like, release me from this hell site? Like, probably not. They seem to like enjoy using it and they like posting photos of,
0: you know, yeah. knitwear
1: or or whatever. And what's interesting on about that is
0: lifestyle lifestyle sites do get controversy and have all sorts of like culture wars um things going on. So it's not that because Pinterest is kind of like maybe more female, more sort of crafts type focus, it doesn't. I don't think that's it. I think there's something about Twitter something specifically. About, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry
1: to drop it. It's something about the form. Yeah. of it and also the type of people who are who are drawn to it and the Mm -hmm. the strange mixture of you know powerful people like Mm -hmm. former president donald trump who maybe we'll talk about in a few minutes (laughs) and also just lots of random people and people who are concealing their identity and all sorts of weirdos Mm -hmm. uh in between um who may
0: or may not be from queens (laughs) you mean (laughs)
1: well uh, let's not talk about that um but um But also, like, so with so on my on my Instagram, um, the people I follow my account, I almost entirely follow close close friends or cute animal accounts, and so that's it. So almost everything I see on Instagram is positive. And if Mm -hmm. if like a close friend started posting a lot of like political memes or something, I would probably mute them because Mm -hmm. I just don't want to see that on Instagram. I want to see. I go to it when I want to see, you know, uh, various like English setter accounts that Mm -hmm. I followed over the past couple of years since my own English setter had to be put to sleep. So like, that's what, I so I use that just to look at. But that's upsetting
0: in a different way, potentially, no? Well, I've, I've
1: gone long enough that I just like enjoy looking at English setters and also, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) birds, the, the national parks and (laughs) and wildlife service have (laughs) really great accounts where it's just, you know, beautiful, beautiful nature photos (laughs) and, you know, the Audubon society. Um, So yeah, that's, that's my my feed there. And then on Twitter, it's my I probably see kind of the same sort of things that you see, where it's people who are angry all the time, people who are fighting each other.
0: The fighting each other, oh my goodness. And then I just feel like there's always this sort of... Normally, it's like an implied whose team are you on, whose side are you on, who's your friend, Who you right. know. But like occasionally, and I did ultimately, I believe, unfollow in one case over this, like somebody will be like specifically inviting you to get in the you know in the mix and like say like what you think about this person's interaction with that person and it's like I think that that you can only ever just sit these things out unless like there's some very specific reason it has to do with you but um but I feel like there's this like you can feel like you have to like with this JK Rowling stuff Mm -hmm. I have not read Harry Potter but I have. I always felt like I was supposed to have like incredibly, and I still, I still feel like this. Like, like, why do I not have a take on her specifically? And it's like because I don't know about it, and I just I'm sitting this one out. Like, <laughs> it's not that I don't think there are like important issues. I just I think you should be allowed to sit something out, and there isn't a sense on Twitter that you are.
1: Yeah, and, and so your timeline is is a way is a way to sort of indicate like I'm taking a brief three second break from the discourse. Mm-hmm. And here's a photo of a cat, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, the, the I mean, it, something that's there's, almost everything involving um, Twitter is stupid in some way. But one of the stupidest is this idea that like you have to comment on everything and like you know silence is violence or something. Like if you're if you're not mm-hmm. weighing in on this particular issue, then you've somehow like oh my trespassed goodness. across a oh moral line, goodness. which is just so yeah. stupid because <laughs> you know pre social media there was no way for any average person aside from writing a letter to the editor of their local newspaper to like comment on a national issue in a way that was like beyond their media social circle. So this is all new. And, um, and then there's, you know, so it's like, should normal people feel like they have to do this? People who are not connected to the media in any way, but just have are on social media like that is totally stupid.
0: But this I have seen where people really, um, I'm thinking of a couple instances where recently where people have like, said it's very telling that people are not who are like in media or who are at this or whatever are not commenting on such and such story, and it'll be like on my timeline they are you know like i have you really like like it just might be saying you know more about who you're following or whatever, and I think this or like the whole nobody's talking about where maybe there's a news story maybe that was you know shared as as famously the case where people say nobody's talking about this this underreported thing and they link to the times and you know um but like yeah i think there is um a lot of this um so i think people do read willful um intent however i think most of the time and this is something i was tweeting about earlier which i my, my second ever tweet right and my second ever tweet <laughs> I, I tweeted something about that like people are not paying that much attention to what one another are doing at the level. Like there's this, on the one hand, the sense that everybody's watching you at all times and cares, but on the other, like there's this plea for attention that mixes with this kind of like, don't look at what I'm doing impulse. Cause like you want people to look at what you're doing, if they're going to be happy with it, but you don't, if they're not. So like um, somebody who I follow and who follows me on Twitter had tweeted something about like that, the, if you say something negative about, the woke baby books, like, so, uh, in this John McWhorter, um, book excerpt, he was saying something like you can't about how, like, you can't criticize those. And she was saying, I've tweeted about it. Nobody canceled me. Um, and I was like, I've written an article about it; it, nobody canceled me. Like I think most people don't even care what other people are doing. And, um, (laughs) you know, you can say a lot of things. You just never know. I think it's that you never know, like unless you really are somebody um, on some sort of pedestal, you never know what, who's going to suddenly be listening, who had some personal grievance with you from years ago that you don't even remember. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. but yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, one of the thing, an annoying tick of discourse of the past couple of years is saying you can't talk about, like people saying like, why can't we talk about this? Or no one, like you're not allowed to say this. And then they say it and, one person who does this sometimes is Glenn Lowry, another person who's on this platform. So he's like a tenured professor; he can say whatever he wants. But like, like suddenly, because of information technology, like anyone can say anything they want at any time. And like mm-hmm. you said, probably if they're an average person, it goes. It's like talking to a hole. And mm-hmm. but maybe if they say something strange or really stupid, then it goes viral and mm-hmm. they get like dunked on and their life is you know, <laughs> ruined forever or <laughs> at least made shitty yeah. for some yeah. period of time. Yeah. But like, you know, if, if this was 1990, like I would have no platform to spew my thoughts in any way, because, you know, uh, if I wasn't employed by a, a magazine or a newspaper or something or a television station, then, you, you know, so, someone who had like no real credentials couldn't just pontificate. So, you know, mm-hmm. any, anyone can say anything, about and it's
0: unedited. So in the past, it would be that if you have some kind of column or whatever TV spot, somebody, there's some sort of check on what you can say, you know, whereas now it's like unfiltered. Unedited. Yeah, so the
1: gatekeepers of, you know, the the broadcast uh, news station or the radio station or the newspaper would prevent you from, you know, maybe saying something really crazy or writing mm-hmm. a column that would like get you in such trouble that you would uh, you know your friends wouldn't want to talk to you anymore or something they would be mm-hmm. like hey, we're, mm-hmm. we're not gonna run this one um, whereas today the incentive would be like let that column run because then it'll go viral, and we'll get a lot of traffic from everyone I hate reading it so the yeah. the incentives have are all are all messed up but you at the end of this piece you you note that like um you like who we uh, we tweeters, <laughs> we people of the Twitter tribe, who are we working for and you know, this idea of like you need to do the work is sort of has become this cliche, but like who are we working for and who actually like who benefits, you know, can we or whatever from, from all this stuff? And, uh, is it
0: just Twitter? Is it
1: just Twitter? Right. Or yeah. What is, what is the point of, of all this? And, um, is yeah. What, you know, it, 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 what, what I want to say, you know, there's, if you, if you tweet something, probably like nothing will happen. Like 99.99% of the time, like there's almost no reaction for, for anyone. And then, um, Probably, and then, like, there's a very small chance that you tweet something, and then, like, you really fuck up, and suddenly everyone mm-hmm. in the world knows who you are, like, Bean Dad or something. Um, mm-hmm. And, although he had some pl- public platform before this. Right, right. But, but yeah, so, and then, like, why why are we doing this? What is, what is the upside? Why, like, there's the, the small bits of dopamine or whatever, serotonin, mm-hmm. that you get when people like your thing or retweet it or respond mm-hmm. to your joke in a positive way. But the uh, mm-hmm. risk reward ratio seems seems uh seems way off for the for the average person. Maybe a, a media exactly. provocateur type um you know likes to stir stir stuff up, but I'm thinking of the of this guy John Kay, who you're probably familiar with, who had this tweet. Yeah, I
0: I know John Kay. He yeah. had this
1: tweet who, where um unclear whether he was serious or joking, but well, he... dog
0: shampoo. I think he was joking.
1: Okay, I so he, he, he posted joking a photo but it's like, of... like, this
0: has taken on a life of its own. Yes, he
1: posts a photo of dog shampoo and says something like, um, you know, I can't believe I've been using this the whole time, I didn't realize it's for dogs, and so there's a photo of a golden retriever on the label. <laughs> so it seems so absurdly dumb, but it was so, like, sort of straight-faced... he was
0: making fun of himself, I think. I think he probably... So here's my theory. I think he really was using the dog shampoo. He also, like, I mean, I should say, like, he's a man with, like, quite short hair. He's not, um, as you can all you know, confirm for yourselves on I think he was on like Fox News. Yeah, so last
1: night he was on he was on yeah. Fox News and it was like liberals attack dog shampoo user or something.
0: <laughs> this is the biggest Toronto story <laughs> in a while. This is like the biggest thing to happen in, in my city in a, a long time. So I'm kind of excited. Um and I think, yeah, it's it's amazing, yeah, how long this has lasted. But um okay so it's, it's some way, God, it, it yeah. benefits
1: john k who was like an editor at quillette or something to like stir up shit and then he ends up on fox news but for the average person or even people like who are vaguely attached to the media world like what is really the benefit of tweeting out your thoughts when you're more like like the, the chance of something bad happens seems to vastly outweigh the chance of, of something good happening
0: this is true um so i think it's a lot of different things going on. I think for people who are truly, truly nothing to do with media at all, don't aspire to have a job in media, are just like they have they're well set up in whatever they're doing that's something else. So I'm thinking especially if like a lot of lawyers who seem to spend a lot of time on Twitter um, and obviously don't need to for their work. It's only it only seems like it could hurt them. I don't know why they're there's on Twitter.
1: An, there's a lot of anonymous lawyers or anonymous lawyers Twitter who have attained right? some level who become like media adjacent figures like mm-hmm. uh southpaw that guy and um mm-hmm. yeah there's a bunch of other ones who well i think that guy's like self-docs or something at some point revealed who he actually was mm-hmm. but um yeah so it, it both makes you think that like there's a lot of lawyers out there with a lot of free time on their hands who can spend time <laughs> tweeting constantly and, and amassing all this clout but um but yeah sorry all
0: parents who are like go to law school this supports their like <laughs> Cause, and if the retort was, but it seems like then you're overworked. It's terrible. It's like, but they're all on Twitter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, go to law school, because you might become an anonymous, uh, you know, Twitter influencer in um, 20 years. But I
0: think, I think for that, I think it's sort of the proximity to micro celebrity or like to people who seem very important in a small arena. And you know, if that's the arena you're spending time in, like it can, you know, like I remember having like I think a tweet of mine was liked by Nigella Lawson once, and I was just like oh you know what i mean I, but i think people have this on different yeah. scales and in different areas so i think that's some of it and but i think there's
1: a well, can i sorry sorry just to interrupt i just want to yeah. my my version of that is that one time uh the the guy who who was the child actor in the sixth sense liked one of my tweets oh, um, no. so that not quite as good as nigella lawson but that was pretty good
0: that no that's i think that's better
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> i actually heard him on a comedy podcast within the past year or so he's actually a very funny smart guy he seems to have not been damaged by being a child actor in the way that many well, many others are so
0: that's great <laughs> Sorry. that's a really that's a good one i like that <laughs> um yeah but i think then there's so there's people who like and i can definitely at times include myself in this category who like are media well not currently because now i actually like have a job in media but When I was in grad school or at times when I was like freelancing and home with a baby, you know, times in my life when I was not um, or when I was um, teaching full time um, at U of T, like Twitter would be I would feel like I was in the game in some way. And I never knew if I was or wasn't. I never knew to what extent I was fooling myself and putting labor in where I should have been just like pitching articles or applying for, you know, jobs that might have perhaps interested me. um, But I also but then it would be like people would get in touch through Twitter and be like, do you want to, you know, like write something, like all sorts of editors and things. So like, it became this kind of thing where like, was it networking and useful and, and even indispensable for whatever amount of a writing career I was having? Mm -hmm. Or was I just throwing ideas and time into some kind of pit? And I don't know if I have an answer. I think like I never had any problems from it. Like I like tweeting something where people were mad in any sort of sustained way, but it just, it felt more like a time suck, you know? And, but then when I've had jobs where I'm, you know, in journalism, it's like, you need it for, um, for connections and ideas and things like that. You kind of, you can't, you can't just totally, totally ignore it. Um, you can try, but yeah, it's very difficult. And certainly, in like I mean the types of things I write about are it would be very like it would be weird to willfully pretend there wasn't Twitter, but right. yeah, I do think it just takes up a lot of time and this I think that's why it's um you know, Oliver Bateman idea like the doing the work um you feel like you're working and you you are in a way, but it can be a whole day and you can have realize the day has gone by and you've just been on Twitter, and I don't know, I don't know it's 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 probably not good.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not good. <laughs> um, I'm I'm ready to definitively say that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's. I think the something that maybe this that scholars should look at is I mentioned it earlier is like this gamified aspect of Twitter where it's like you're sort of getting little points and you need and you sort of feel like you need to be like in the mix or in the game to mm-hmm. to participate in this game where you're attracting little bits mm-hmm. of clout or whatever you want to call them. But, like, and mm-hmm. I, I noticed this, uh, not not to brag or anything, but uh, in the past couple weeks I had, like, one or two tweets that went somewhat viral. And I realized that, like, when you, and this, for people who have, like, big accounts, I, I have no idea how they do this. You must turn all their notifications off. But if you have your notifications on and then so, you're getting, like, over 100 retweets, then you're getting, like, just these little bits of data like in your phone and you're seeing just something. And I realized that when that happens, I'm not checking the timeline as much because I'm just getting these little bits of like <laughs> reinforcement of like, oh, yeah. someone thought this joke I made was funny. And so I'm sp- paying less attention to like, what's the latest thing in the past 45 seconds that someone tweeted about. So this is like, I guess, sort of an addiction <laughs> dynamic yeah, I'm describing here, sure. where it's like, I just need some some reinforcement, whether it's what's the latest news item, what's the latest joke mm-hmm. meme what's the latest timeline cleanse picture of miniature ponies wearing sweaters mm-hmm. or but then if i'm getting like if just something is happening that it feels mm-hmm. like you know my attention has been captured and yeah. um and this there was this piece in the times a couple of weeks ago about this guy that coined the term attention economy uh, who was, mm-hmm. was a scholar who was sort of like an outsider scholar and never became super famous for this idea, but like is seemed to be very prescient and the way it predicted how the internet would reshape Mm -hmm. things. And yeah, it does seem like what is so like I, when, when you write something on Twitter, you're like taking uh, like this micro slice of your followers attention, you know, and then you're like, I did that and everyone (laughs) else is doing it at at the same time. So I don't, I don't know where, where I'm going with this, but it's, it's definitely bad. Like for my my personal psychology, and you know my like loved ones <laughs> and everything else in life like and it's probably bad I mean the good things are like I think we probably like maybe we first connected on Twitter or, like most of the people I've had on this podcast yeah like I approached them through Twitter or yeah or I like, definitely
0: met Kat through Twitter um my co-host for Feminine Chaos yeah, I mean, Kat Rosenfield.
1: yeah I think yeah I, yeah I think probably I reached out to her the first time I had her on through Twitter so that's good and uh, you know I think this podcast is you know does something for <laughs> its listeners I hope um listeners and viewers and then like i have made some friendships um of people through twitter but yeah i think it's mostly you know weighing the positive versus negative it's mostly negative and then if we consider it like that and the fact that i'm looking still looking at it every day then it's like get like the addiction sort of thing makes more sense of like you know i can quit whatever i want to or (laughs) something along those lines
0: yeah yeah for sure for sure i know but then like if you go off it for a day or something because you're just busy and then you go back on it, what I find is that, like, I'm expecting to have a million notifications and I have, like, none. And then it's, like, if you don't play, nobody's paying attention. Even, like, even if you have... I don't have that many followers, but enough where I would have thought. But, like... Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah.
1: So it, it incurred. It's, like, um, you know, it's slot machine sort of thing where you need to keep on pumping in mm-hmm. quarters as, like, your own tweets contributing to the entire mess and or else you're not going to get any pay, <laughs> you pay up mm-hmm. whatsoever okay. and yeah you seem like you've you've fallen out of of the system so that's all bad um so uh so something else I, I wanted to talk about in relation to this is okay so this idea i had and i'm sure other people have pointed this out that like the the twitter encourages um sort of marginal extremist like obscure points of view, ideas, um, habits, uh, cultural products, like it, it inflates these um, or political positions it, 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 it the, just the way it works. Like those sort of things thrive on there, um, which is, you know, in some ways. Okay. So let's bring this into Trump. So Trump was kicked off of Twitter, you know, a month or so ago. And um, I, th- I thought that was good when it happened. And I think it's, even better, uh, today in mid-February, and so I'm, I'm happy that he got kicked off, and if he hadn't been president, he would have been kicked off before, but, like, you know, his st- personal strangeness, and, like, the fact that he was an outsider of the political system, like, that's, and the fact that he used Twitter to fuel his rise, like, that fits in with this thesis, because he's a weird guy, he would tweet these weird things, you know, he has, he had all these famous tweets about, like, his feud with Graydon and Carter, and, you know, how, how he was <laughs> addicted to diet, uh, diet coke and and stuff all mm-hmm. these got like deleted on mass but his um you know his like marginal identity like twitter transformed that into sort of a mainstream thing and then he became president which is stupid and insane um so the, th- the thing that um made me think about this was there was a tweet um uh, that was basically about um uh, andrew yang who was who was running for uh, New York City Mayor, and I guess in his platform when he ran for the Democratic nomination, he was against BDS, which is the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions, um, you know, movement or program that is aiming that is against the Israeli occupation of Gaza and the West Bank. And maybe there's more t- more to it than that, but that's the simplified version. And so Yang, I guess on his either on his original, I think it was on his original campaign website or something, he had a, an anti-BDS statement, and then. So, uh, the cartoonist, uh, Matt Lubchansky, uh, tweeted like a screenshot of this and just the line, get fucked dude. And so that went semi-viral, 200 retweets, 1.8 thousand likes. And I just made me think like, you know, BDS is a marginal, um, political movement that is trying to, you know, change things. But it's definitely, I would say if, if, you know, probably the vast majority of Americans I've never heard of it. And if you explain to them in a neutral way what it was, they would probably be anti-BDS, I don't know, like 75-25 or something, because Americans like Israel for all sorts of complicated reasons or not so complicated reasons. And so, but the fact that Lubchansky... Wait, we're going
0: to solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict <laughs> today, right? <laughs> Just checking.
1: Right, so, so Lubchansky was like, you know, fuck, fuck this shit. And then there were 2,000 other people who were like, yeah, fuck this shit. But Andrew Yang, when they're running for the Democratic Nomination for the uh, entire nation, or just running uh, for mayor in New York City, uh, like coming out in support of BDS would would uh, be very very surprising. So yeah. it's basically the standard. Politi- maybe I guess I actually tweeted something at Luchansky like, how many was there anyone pro BDS or how many how many like within the thirty odd candidates you know who ran for president in in twenty twenty and he said or sorry they said no but um, but I guess Yang wanted to go, like, a step further it, in this... I'll link to the tweet, but mm. it just made me think, you know, everything... Any sort of strange, extreme, unusual perspective is overrepresented on Twitter. I don't know why exactly. It's something to do with the mechanics of small groups or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see all sorts of just weirdos and freaks in any <laughs> like in any category. Um, you can take politics entirely out of it. The people who, who were like really, really care about one particular character, like minor character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Mm -hmm. think that particular character should have more exposure. And they are fighting with people who support other characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like just all sorts of freaks (laughs) are on this, (laughs) are on this website. And then it is strange to think that the president of the United States used this weird website um, and communications platform as his primary means of getting information out for four years. That's bizarre. It is. And so Trump is gone and is it possible that Twitter can recede into being more of just a niche weirdo thing hmm. for people who want to fight with each other about which Marvel Cinematic Universe character should get the next movie and are very exercised about that? And we can kind of be like, oh, this this is stupid and this shouldn't matter. And. Yeah, so I, I sorry, this is, a, this is this is just rolling out of me. So what <laughs> do you have any thoughts on this?
0: Um, Well this is a whole bunch of different topics. Um, and I guess I have thoughts probably on all of them <laughs> versus in terms of Trump. I mean, apart from like whatever I thought, I don't even know. Like it, what I would notice is like um, we were listening to Canadian public radio this morning and suddenly like there was some clip of Trump speaking. And I was just like saying, like I don't forgotten about him. <laughs> like, I think there's something where because he's not on Twitter, the effect of this has been, you know, because there's so much of I never followed Trump on Twitter. I, I never didn't went to, I didn't go to the pains to like block or mute, but whatever. But so much of like Twitter was just responding to him, quote tweeting him, screenshotting him, all of this. But I feel like because he's not on Twitter now, that's just kind of, like it feels done in a way that it wouldn't if he still were. Um,
1: right. And one of the other strange things that Trump pioneered is it used to be understood that a famous person or a politician would not write their own tweets, um, Mm -hmm. especially the president. And there used to be this convention for when Obama was president, that his tweets would be signed dash B O um, for the ones that he supposedly wrote himself, although he probably wasn't actually writing them Mm -hmm. himself, but maybe he had to approve them or something. But whereas Mm -hmm. like Trump, we knew that he, the majority of his things, he was actually typing himself, typing them out himself on his phone. And so that, that was very strange. Mm -hmm. And that made it seem like, you know, this thing that like was previously used by, politicians and, and powerful people as like a way to put out little short press release sort of messages. Instead, it became like the, the glimpse into his id um, right. of, of this very unusual person who somehow became president. And, and that just became like that dynamic, which was so strange made the entire thing seem much more important than, than like logic mm-hmm. would dictate that it should be
0: mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, I think Trump's whole thing was being like the uncancelable. You know, he can just say anything and people like him, All who, the people who like him, I should say, like him all the more for it and kind of live vicariously through that so that he could just say anything on Twitter would kind of fit in with that. Um, in terms of the extreme views, I have noticed this as well. Um, and I would say specifically um, where Israel is concerned, even though I follow plenty of people who are either Israeli or Zionist identified, I get the impression anecdotally from Twitter That basically 99% of the population thinks Israel is an apartheid evil state from not from um, 1967 from its origins that it's terrible should never have happened. It's the most evil thing in the world. That is my impression from Twitter from what people think on Twitter. Right, so that's probably... What people think on Twitter. It's not in, my impression of Israel. In American discourse,
1: of, I don't know about Canadian yeah. discourse, that would be, you know, 2% or something of people who would, who would go along with... Yeah, I think with.
0: it's a little more in Canada, but um, I also don't know how plugged in I am to Canada in that area specifically. I mean, I, I guess, although a few of the people I'm thinking of actually are Canadian, but um, you would have the impression that, like, to say something like... Like, if I referenced having been in Israel, you know, that I would be like... that they, World would be furious, you know not the world, but like specifically like the states you know and i don 't think that's actually that doesn 't quite add up to how people see things. Um, I think academia, also like we 've talked about media, but academia is pretty well represented I think on Twitter um, and sort of academia broadly defined, so like that could be somebody who 's like going in and out of their grad program for fifteen years it doesn 't matter, you know like people with some sort of affiliation you know, even just sort of a sense of affiliation with academia are also pretty present. So yeah, I think views that are like common there also maybe are more seen. So that's part of it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that is that like there's currency in making people super mad. Um, And, but there is a sense that people, like that people are going to be mad um, at things that, that they probably will on Twitter, but like wouldn't off Twitter. And something like having a sort of, neutral to positive view of Israel would be sort of thing that, yeah, that would seem like. Yeah or, yeah. or, yeah,
1: or telling a story about, um, how your daughter was hungry and there was a can of beans and okay. she didn't know how to use the can opener. Uh, so we won't get into the whole, I mean, you guys, uh, your podcast talked about bean dad discourse, but, um, yeah, that is another thing where something that was essentially a joke that didn't land, um, mm-hmm. And I don't know what other form it could have, you know. Like you could imagine sort of an Andy Rooney columnist <laughs> or something writing this out, and, um, and yeah, and instead it became you know this huge thing. What, although I'm, I think I wonder if um, the fact that Trump is gone, Bean Band happened to Bean that happened before or after Trump. I mean, so before or after they banned Trump, I think it was slightly before, right?
0: Probably. I, I
1: think, think it was so. just a couple days before. And then people were joking it was "All like,
0: around the same time. Dad you know?
1: was happy that suddenly the um, <laughs> insurrectionists were right, storming the right, Capitol. Right,
0: <laughs> right, right. I remember that. Okay. Yes, that's right. That's right. So it would have been before. It would have been before.
1: Okay. So this, I guess, messes with this contradicts this thesis I was just developing, but now that Trump is gone and the main thing that people were agitated about for four years is off the platform. Uh, one thing that could happen is the general level of agitation and fighting and stuff goes down somewhat because the instigator mm-hmm. is gone or it like disperses mm-hmm. into various other corners of people going yeah. after bean dad, anti bean dad, pro bean dad mm-hmm. in all in all little corners. Um, I think in general, and I've been saying this for a while that like Biden is going to return America to normalcy and mm-hmm. probably a lot of people who are really energized either pro or anti Trump. Over the past couple mm-hmm. of years, like you know, resistance moms and MAGA d- uncles together yeah. Yeah. are going to sort of return, or at least try to return, back to their normal lives mm-hmm. and back to their old hobbies and stuff, and mm-hmm. um, and so the the overall level of heat and and so forth is will go down somewhat. That that be my prediction? That
0: could be. That could be. I mean, so when I wrote my book, I wrote it during the Obama administration. Um, it appeared just at the start of the Trump administration, so there was these culture wars were going. However. They were nothing. It was like niche. I had to explain like why I was writing about this niche thing. And I feel like it might return to that with Biden. It's possible or things are just kind of shifting. Like there's a lot of the sort of anti, you know, anti-political correctness strand of things seems to have a life of its own. That seems maybe um, that could be energized by Biden, right? Because if Biden as you know, like executive orders or just general rhetoric that suggests, um, you know, like that he's on one team. Maybe there's pushback, but I don't know. I don't think it's. But there's no personality like that with Trump. You know, there's no sort of constant stream of completely absurd, whatever that all was. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So probably will calm down and it'll just return to being niche, right?
1: Yeah, I was cuz ho- I think that's what it did. Like Trump so. got
0: like what you're saying with like the resistance um and maga teams of things. Like I think what happened with Trump is there was suddenly like you had to care. Even if you were a normie, you had to care, you know? And like I think it might now revert to like if you're a normie, you can do something else. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's the dream, I think.
1: Um, the normies return to their
0: lives. (laughs) The the dream is to be a normie, but I don't know. (laughs) Well, I
1: think we're, at least I'm too far gone, but uh, (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) I will speak for you. But yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of uh, Trump brought a lot of people into caring about politics on both his supporters and his opponents. And, um, that, yes. What made it
0: accessible, I think, is that he made it seem like, I used to think you have to understand about like policies and court cases and all of this. And I would try to be informed, but I feel like I wasn't ever really like enough of a wonk to really know what's going on. Like, I don't know like the name of like the person in the house of representatives from that County, like how, you know, and I've always felt like there were these other people who did. And Trump made it like really basic, like you could be an idiot and follow this. And that was not only fine, but encouraged. And I feel like maybe if things move away from that, then that will just automatically alienate people from politics because, you know, it's less exciting. It to, yeah, it's more like this, yeah, this dry thing, right?
1: I mean, part of the, like, um, a, a huge crazy thing about the Trump years was that there was a sense that any given time he could do something or say something that would be totally off the wall, and everyone had to intensely care about it. And sometimes what he said actually did matter, and sometimes it didn't matter, and, mm-hmm. and then it would just go on, and 36 hours later would go on to the next crazy thing he said because he was a nonstop— you know, font of, mm-hmm. of craziness. Uh, so that, so that's gone and he's been silenced, um, more or less. Although as I was joking, um, in the, you know, period between when he was ticked off Twitter and ended his presidency, you know, if there was some way he could like release short statements to the press, then he could like get his point of view out there. So obviously he like had a press secretary, et cetera, and could have called up any new station yeah. and gotten on the air because he was the president. So it was just this bizarre situation um but i mean just one other note on this like if you um you know in 2014 or something you could have said if, if a politician wanted to have the biggest pl- possible platform they would go on facebook because mm-hmm. facebook is like just you know globally much like 5 10 sure. 15 20 times bigger than twitter much you know normal people are much more likely to be on facebook than the freaks and weirdos on twitter and, um, you can write, you know, Trump, at the beginning of the Trump presidency is still 140 characters. Like you could write an mm-hmm. actual statement or you could post a longer video or something. I guess he could, he, this sort has certain, certain pr- privileges about posting videos of certain lengths on Twitter. But, um, you know, that's, that's your mass audience because everyone mm-hmm. and their mom and their grandmom are on Facebook. Um, but like Trump showed that there was this way to sort of hijack this other mm-hmm. system and he was a demented master of it and um i and and then one of the other weird things is like i assume he uh doesn't actually like never actually used a computer doesn't know how to use a computer so he would use twitter on his phone but i don't think he even had a facebook app so it would be his staff that was running any other social media account and they probably sanded down the edges and took some of the crazy all caps sort of stuff and wouldn't Mm -hmm. propagate that on the on the other things but um Yes, yeah, So I don't, I mean, you know, Trump is strange in so many ways, but he, he does sort of seem like a one-off figure and you couldn't really imagine the system being hijacked again in this same way. No, I, I don't know.
0: I don't think so. No. And yeah, I mean, I think it is, it's fewer people than Facebook, but it's much more sort of concentrated media. Right. So like it wasn't necessarily a bad strategy for him.
1: Uh, obviously but, it worked at least once. I mean, <laughs>
0: you know, like it, it, you know, he he was addressing the people who were gonna then write an article about it, and did.
1: Yeah, and and one of the strange things is like, he it's not like Trump would participate in memes or reply to people's, you know, posts or or, or interact interact in the way that an average yeah. user of Twitter would. It was that he is the president or he was running for president, and then he became president, and everyone, all the you know, he would tweet something, and then all the reporters. We're forced to cover it because he is the president, and when the president mm-hmm. says something or tweets something, it's important. Seems, or at least that's the theory. Um, and, but yeah, but it's not like he, uh, you know, was doing like hashtag games or you know was doing other right. things that you know Twitter encourages yeah. you to do. He just, um, it was like he hacked the media basically yeah. through a back door.
0: Yeah, yeah. But so he's he a didn't kind get of got a second genius. term out of it.
1: Right. Although, yeah, he lost, you know, in 2018, he uh, lost uh, very strongly. And then in 2020, lost even more strongly. Um, so he's gone. But I actually do want to bring this bring up something that I became obsessed with over the past year uh, looking at my phone, which was the Trump reply guys and the MAGA QAnon supporting people, some of whom were basically seemed like more or less normal people. Maybe some of them were actually Russian bots. Um, but they seemed like they were actual people and they loved Trump so much. And so any on any Trump reply, you know, the the algorithm decides which would be the first uh you know, first ones you see. And so there were these strange people, the Krasensteins, I don't know if you remember them, who um were sort of like resistance type people, they were identical twins. And they oh. would, they would always be like, they're, they, you know, within seconds of any Trump tweet, they would reply. So they're like, like, how dare you, sir? Like, don't you know that the, like, 12th amendment, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and so they had, they were kicked off a couple years ago because they were running some sort of scam of having multiple accounts or something. Um, and then, so they were the main sort of like resistance and people call them the resistance drifters of these people who would always reply were trying to monetize their opposition to Trump. And then there were some people who, were always um, the positive reply guys to Trump. And there were these two accounts that I became somewhat obsessed with and would troll them. Uh, <laughs> and one of them blocked me, but one- <laughs> there, There's no hope for you. You're not going to be- <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm, boy, I'm, I'm gone. Um, but I just was, I, know, I had some strange fascination with these characters of the people who, you know, these were not, these people had no established platform, um, but they somehow amassed, you know, like 250,000 followers because they would reply to Trump like, like, yes, greatest president ever, like, we support you 100%. And then, um, so for, so last year I started um, screen capping the bios of a lot of these people, more like the average um, MAGA or QAnon type person, because the way they wrote their Twitter bios was very interesting, and they would say things like, you know, it would say like, you know, Grandma, grandma to Eight, like First Amendment, followed <laughs> by Janine Pirro, retweeted by Donald Jr., you know, like hashtag or we go one, we go all. And it was just like this crazy sort of, you Mm -hmm. know, not poetry exactly, but something strange about it that I found captivating for grotesque reasons. And so I I was like, what could I do with all this stuff? Like, could this be like a, like some sort of uh, art exhibit or something like uh, of each one like framed or something. And Mm -hmm. so I was just screencapping them. And then after they kicked Trump off, they also kicked off all the QAnon accounts seemingly and tens of thousands of others. And so I realized that now I suddenly have a sort of, um, archive of a vanished civilization and yeah. I started going back and checking some of these accounts and a lot of them are gone they there's it says account suspended <laughs> some of the, and then a lot of other ones have lost about 30 to 40 percent of their followers so a huge you know huge portion of MAGA world QAnon world has been vaporized from Twitter mm-hmm. and I've noticed now just in the past couple of weeks that when you look at a like when Don Jr. tweets something all the replies virtually like 95 to 98% of the replies are people dunking on him saying you're stupid saying you're going to end up in jail like all mm-hmm. of those supporters on twitter seem to have vanished so maybe mm-hmm. so some of these people were kicked off the the platforms some of them maybe after it became clear that trump was not going to be president for a second term they went back to their normal lives or maybe mm-hmm. some of them became disgusted after the you know a riot at the capital, so there's a lot of possible Well, I wonder if it's that they,
0: what weakened those accounts was that so many people were kicked off, so the ones who remained lost followers because those people were kicked off, right? Exactly,
1: yeah. So, yeah, so a lot of them seem to be gone. I haven't done, I need to really, like, uh, look at this closely. I only, i only looked at about 10 of them, but a number of them, the account is gone, but then the follower accounts are way down, and one of the funny things about these, I don't know if you've ever seen these type of people, the MAGA people, they'd always have almost, they always followed each other. And so they mm-hmm. always had like 73,000.7 followers and they followed 73.7,000 people. <laughs> this is very different than liberal or, or socialist world where like the yeah. top accounts have 50,000 followers and they follow 128 people. Uh, yeah. So it's a weird, like the, the right side of the aisle. Is I much-
0: feel very much in a bubble because I, I va- very vaguely know what this is. And the only reason I know is because I wrote an anti-gun article once for the New Republic and right. got these people in my replies for like weeks and... I got to see a lot of the bios and all the things that I got a sense. So like those, that type of bio, this wouldn't have been like QAnon, I guess. That was that, Yeah, that was but,
1: pre-Trump and pre-QAnon. But,
0: um, but yeah, they're I'm familiar with like a sort of, like, it would be like first amendment, second amendment, Israel, <laughs> it would always be like Israel. And it was like, these were not Jewish people. Like this was just, except when it, that one of the people who was once mad at me, not about that or something else was Roseanne. Oh, but really?
1: You got into it with, with Roseanne I got Barr? into
0: it. Well, into it, I mean, not, not as I got an angry tweet about some headline that I'd gotten for an article from Roseanne. Um, because yeah, it was so the I... anti-Nigella Lawson moment. <laughs> okay, so I'll just read.
1: So I, yeah, I have all these saved in my phone, and I so here's one. And there was something about the the you know the image they would use. There's all there's almost always something grotesque about either their background image, their name, their avatar, or their bio, and so. This is just a random one I picked. It's a photo of a, of a woman. Um, Dawn, I stand with President Trump, exclamation point, three stars. The three stars thing is people, supporters of General Flynn because he was a three-star general. Um, and, oh, this is very specific. Yes. And uh, Dawn underscore Damore one, And then her, her bio is Donald Trump, but in italics. You know, there's like that alternate font that italicizes yeah. everything that people use on Twitter. Uh, hashtag best, pres- best president ever. Hashtag Flynn fighters. American flag emoji. Hashtag Ben Garrison Cartoons, and then a URL, and then at GRRR Graphics, which is this guy, Ben Garrison, the the account, and he was sort of like the most prominent MAGA editorial cartoonist. He got kicked off a couple days after Trump did. Sadly, he also, he was, I'm you know, a lot of people are obsessed with him because he was so, his drawings are so strange, and he always had Trump as this, like, super fit guy, (laughs) uh, like this buff, buff dude. And then uh, ending with a rose emoji, which is usually understood it to be the DSA symbol, but probably this woman doesn't know that and just likes flowers. Um, so yeah. So, so, and she had, she followed 20,000.1 and had 53.9 thousand followers. Um, and so I'll, I'll check afterwards if she still exists, but I bet that she got kicked off for being QAnon. That or seems
0: like a, an exciting corner of Twitter that I'm glad not to know about. Yeah, I
1: wonder if um, you didn't see it because I would often find these people from trending topics and, oh,
0: yeah, I guess I don't look so much at that.
1: Yeah, I know those differ based on country. So you probably get yeah. the Canadian Trinity comics. Yeah, I, just,
0: I don't think I look at them, except at what they are sometimes, because it'll often be like Jews, and I'll be like, oh, That's, not all, that
1: that's always bad news. <laughs> yeah, anything Jew you. or Jewish that, like, this yeah. is not good, uh, yeah. not good for the Jews. Okay, so, yeah, that's just my weird obsession. If anyone has an idea for what I can do with all this, uh, all these screencaps information. I will
0: think about this, because I, I want you to do something with it. <laughs>
1: Okay, so we're, we've gone a little bit over now, but maybe this will be the last section, uh, last question, which is, I've done a couple other episodes with people about social media over the past year or so, and I've asked them at the end, you know, if you could um, snap your fingers uh, in the way Thanos does in the Avengers movie, and social media, you know, magically disappeared and couldn't come back, all the rest of the internet continues to exist, but the social media part is gone forever, would you do that to, like, save humanity from, from social media?
0: Okay, so I thought about this, um, since you posed the question before we started. And I'm going to say that I would not get rid of it precisely because we have been locked down for a year. And I think to be truly, truly locked down, unable to talk to anybody not in your home um, for a year would be a little bit um, maddening, and that it has been useful to be able to be on social media like this year specifically, just to be a little bit out in the world virtually. Um, so I think otherwise, yeah, I go through the same like pluses and minuses, like interesting people I've met on Twitter who I wouldn't have met otherwise, um, opportunities that have come through it. You know, I don't know that I've had ever opportunities or met people on Facebook, but um, but things like that. Um, but then I think like if you really, if you can't go out. I don't know, like, you kind of have to have a little bit of something else. So that's, that's what kind of tips the scale for me, I think would be like the lockdown. And, and also, yeah, like I live in Canada now, like, you know, to feel a little connected to the States, but on the whole for humanity, yeah, I think because we've all been locked down, I think it's been, I'm going to say it's, I'm going to be, yay, let's all spend 24 seven on Twitter. And if you don't have a strong feeling about every single hire the New York Times has ever made, (laughs) you're canceled. (laughs)
1: um okay but okay what if you know we 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 say twitter facebook instagram all the other ones they're gone but sort of the internet as existed in 2003 like would you want to return to that so that was like the beginning of the blog era you were were slash are a blogger um and like the blogs had their own pluses and minuses but like social media helped kill off the Blogosphere that emerged. I don't know.
0: See, I'm not. I'm. I'm weird in this. That I'm not nostalgic for the blog era. I think there I sunk a lot of time. Like I look back at my old blog posts. Those could have been articles. A lot of them, and I wasted time. I threw stuff away. I didn't have the confidence to. Like I. I first wrote something for the Atlantic in like 2013. I first blogged in like 2004. I don't think I required like nine years of honing to like get there.
1: You Uh, know
0: what I mean? Like I think it was just a confidence thing, and I think. For a lot of people, probably, this was the case, too, that, like, unless you were hired by some blog, um, it it just was, like, a time suck, yeah. So I'm not... You, but you, you,
1: okay, so that's interesting. See, I, um, you know, I never really had my own blog. I just wrote a couple posts over the years and was too inconsistent and lazy to ever do it. But I have tweeted almost 100,000 times. And what, what was a bigger you know, time suck <laughs> for me personally? And then, Fair enough. like, the... You know the tweet that maybe I tweeted in 2014 that maybe, you know, uh, could be taken out of context if someone wanted to go after me for whatever reason, and then blah blah blah. You know, I'm oh. What I will say,
0: what I will say about this is because I had all that experience online um, prior to social media. I think obviously, you know, knock on wood, and all of this, like, who knows what I'll say that you know could be twisted in any mirror of any of us, whatever. But I think I did have that, if nothing else, the sense of what that means to be speaking online to audiences that might not have any that might not have your best interest at heart. Um, Like people got more mad at me like once through like stuff to do with my blog. And it was like a sort of willful misreading sort of situation um, where people mistakenly believed that I this is if I tell you, I mean, I'm going to say what this is because otherwise it's going to sound like it would have been something worse. People mistakenly believed that I have and insist upon people having only designer clothes. And this was ridiculous. I was in grad school at the time. Um, and I'll tell you why this came up. Because I had blogged something about, like, there was some sort of discussion about the Obama daughters at the inauguration. This was a lot last week. <laughs> I guess it would have been 2009 or 2009. 13 it What's wasn't it? 13 so that was 2009 <laughs> yeah and i had said something like that i thought like that it was stupid that they were being called out for having more an ex- not the girls themselves but whatever their family um for being in j crew and that if anything an occasion like that they could have been in something fancier and i was not saying and they should have been like i i wasn't and then this became what you didn't think they looked nice I was like i did think they looked nice that was not what i but anyway it <laughs> became that like i personally had like all this designer plan. i was like i have the grad school stipend. I have garbage clothing. What are you <laughs> but, um, Wait. So was
1: was the was the blow up your comment the commenters or like other blogs oh, were picking so this up? So then
0: it got picked up by another blog, um, and I think it was in the comments. But it was somebody from that blog who I knew in real life to be a good friend of an ex boyfriend. Like so, this there was an IRL level of things going on here, and people just got super mad, and then some other blog picked it up, um, and people just hated me hated me (laughs) over something very very quaint in retrospect because there was no sense like nobody was accusing me of anything like problematic it was just that I was this like woman with the designer wardrobe who who was snooty about clothes in some way and I was like and it just had nothing but it just seemed so completely unhinged from anything in my actual life Uh um and but they gave me a sense of what what's out there and both like to just sort of not care if people are mad in a way, but also to anticipate the types of responses, yeah. So, I think I was trained in that early from blogging. Um, and the other time I got somebody mad was that I tweeted that, or I tweeted, oh, let me speed Freudian slip there, right? I blogged. It was like, <laughs> well,
1: Twitter fun. is a micro blogging service, right? Right,
0: right, but this was like in 2005 or six, given where I was living. Um, something about some. Coffee shop striking me as overpriced that I'd been to. And like the owner of that coffee shop commented on my blog, like angrily, like they're not actually overpriced. <laughs> just like, okay. And I just couldn't believe that this person had found little old me. And I wasn't thinking about that they Googled their, you know. So I just have a better sense, right. I think, of how this all works from that time.
1: Yeah. And part of the Bean Dad thing, and for people who don't know what Bean Dad is, you are a blessed person and continue on in your ignorance. But if you do know what Bean Dad is, part of the thing was that people dug up, like people like, started searching like Jew and bean dad to find his old tweets. And then he, I guess he once had like a comedic persona on Twitter where he was like making fun of different you know races and ethnicities and so forth. And so that was part of the cancellation of bean dad was, yes. was digging up the old tweets. And yeah, there's, and
0: he only had designer clothing. I hear
1: <laughs> it was very, very nice clothes. Right. And he makes his, and, you know, his daughter goes naked and he gives her a sewing machine and some fabric and, um, says, figure it out yourself and you'll learn a valuable lesson. Um, so, okay, maybe that's a good place to, to end it. we probably, anyone who isn't on Twitter was like still listening to this <laughs> somehow, I, I, you know, they've hopefully been warned off. Actually, in, in the past couple of years, anytime someone asked me, like, should I get out of Twitter? Um, especially during the Trump years, people like, felt like they needed to get on there to know what's happening. I'm always like, no, if you've resisted this long, like do not, like I will say, I
0: know people. I know people who have accounts and like don't really do anything with them it's not like to be on twitter you get sucked in it's just you never know <laughs> what could happen to you
1: well you know you get that first taste of virality where you get like three exactly. retweet, three retweets and eight likes and then you know that first hit you're like chasing that magical high the rest of your life exactly. um and you are you know like stooped over uh <laughs> looking at your phone 24 hours a day okay so yeah so i i think i've says before but I think I would if I could snap my fingers and make it all disappear, I think I probably would, just based on the you know the fact that like if we could retroactively do it and then it wouldn't have let Trump become president, then that's a that's good true. enough okay, reason. Yeah, fair point. But fair even today point. I, I i think it still has more negative um parts to it than than the positive parts. Although like I said there are some positive parts. Um and I guess that's what keeps us <laughs> coming back for more. And you know, we've been talking for over an hour so i'm sure there's like 50 new memes that have popped up and we, new things we that people are probably ignoring
0: about. twitter in this time
1: yeah and people are probably like where things. are phoebe and argy like we need them to weigh in on like all those i think so
0: i think we topics. better get back <laughs> get back to that work
1: <laughs> oh yes the work thanks
0: for having me on to discuss this this is fun. well thanks for
1: doing it um i i, I appreciate you taking the time um blogging alumnus Phoebe <laughs> movie now senior editor at the signal um And the links to those, to the signal and your the piece that of yours that we discussed, will be below on the bloggy as a site. So, um, you know, you can follow us on Twitter. And you You are what? What? Say your handle because I think I'll get it wrong.
0: Tweetertation.
1: Tweetertation. Because you were originally tweeting your dissertation, right?
0: I joked that I would tweet my dissertation. I never actually, I don't think, subjected anybody to that.
1: Right. And so you're actually you're a class of Twitter person that I really respect because you, when you know, in two thousand eight or nine or whatever you. Came up with like a goofy uh, name, and you've you've kept with it even as you've ascended to the I heights. I don't.
0: I just. I'm not like. I don't know. I, I because there shouldn't. is some way
1: to change that. I know that people have no. done. Um, I didn't
0: even know. I did not know that was possible, but that's fine. I'm Twitter That's fine. That's How it is.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the, so I like I, that's sort of like game respect game uh, sort of thing in the <laughs> in the tutorial that you stuck with that. So your Twitter Tation. I'm RDAcw. Um, you can follow us if you want to. See what we you know, think about all... Our occasional, our occasional appearances there. <laughs> right. And you, you know, what you can also do is you can smash that like button if you're watching this on YouTube. You can rate and review in iTunes, which does help the show um, in various ways. And, and so and Feminine Chaos continues. And if, if there's anyone who lost the thread of Feminine Chaos, you can search for it wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to it that way. And, um, and also subscribe to it on Patreon. Uh, which gets you like bonus episodes and newsletters and right. things like that.
0: That's right, things like that exactly.
1: Okay, well, thank you, Phoebe, and thank you to all of our viewers, and listeners, who somehow <laughs> sat through all this nonsense. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you again next time. Bye.